One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, where a weekly exploration of the fascinating way songs become connected to our memories and how digging into the places where songs and memory have become bound together brings out the storyteller and our guests. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Bryce Ivey. Bryce is a creative leader and singer-songwriter based right here in Southwest Florida who has more than 10 years of experience working in artistic and production fields. His main projects include working for Sugar Shack Music Channel as the events director. He also hosts their podcast that features conversations with the cool bands that they bring to their porch. He's also the frontman for an Americana folk rock band called the Sun State Blues. Bryce lives in Bonita Springs with his wife Claudia and daughter Ella with a baby boy on the way. He says he's passionate about seeing Southwest Florida continue to expand its creative reach and cultivate artistic communities that can bring new life to our little corner of the world. And since that's kind of exactly what we're trying to do with this show, he's a perfect guest. He sat down with our very own Richard Chin Kui. Hey there, Bryce. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. Uh, if you could listen to uh, only one album again for the rest of your life other than Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music by Sturgill Simpson, <laughs> what would it be? Oh, man. Only one album for the rest of my life. That's really hard. I mean, I, I don't think I could settle on one specific, but From the Hip, I think, is some of my all-time favorite albums that I return to over and over and over again. And even though it's kind of like recent in my like music listening timeline, I feel like um, the the latest Vampire Weekend album, Father of the Bride, is just it's really big. It, there's a lot there's a lot to it. There's a lot of production to it. It took him forever to to make it, you know. And so, I feel like I could probably like do okay if I had to listen to that for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, all right, well, this is pretty good, you know. But I don't know. There's so much amazing music through all of the decades, and and it'd be, it would really be hard to to do that i agree yeah but if i for shooting from the hip shooting from the hip all right it's a pretty uh, cool album wait uh where did you grow up and how would you describe the musical background of your childhood oh this is gonna be cool this is like such a curveball thing y'all would never see coming i grew up i was born and raised in miami florida and um uh, I grew up in a very religious environment, so I grew up as a pastor's kid in like charismatic evangelical church world, and so a lot of Hillsong. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. as I got definitely became a teenager and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so a lot of my musical background was in the in the church production world and worship music world yep. and and all of that, and so, uh, but my dad was a youth pastor, and so I also like by the time I was like eleven, twelve, thirteen, was also getting into like all of the like. We were living in Orlando at the time, the underground, like, um, Christian rock and Tooth and Nail records, yep. bands and all that. Were, I had some Tooth and Nail yeah, albums. Yeah. yeah. So that that was kind of my upbringing. That mm-hmm. was my context. You know? Was it <laughs> – um, because you lived in Orlando, Yeah. was something like – Rock the universe, you know, like big time. Like, no, so those those weren't so like people who live in Orlando might find people who go to Disney World, uh, like going there a little passe because they live there. Right? Were those kinds of concerts really big for you guys, or was it kind of like 
Well, yeah, it's it's, it's whatever. The it's there. I think I think we were always there for some reason. You know what I mean? Doing something. Okay. So, uh, How many times did you go to the Holy Land experience? <laughs> I actually, funny enough, I don't think I've ever been to the Holy okay. Land experience. <laughs> okay, just it's a not a, not many people will know what that means. Yeah, so right. It's a great but I've question. driven past it a hundred times. You know. All right. Um. What kind of music uh, were your parents listening to? Let's say outside of kind of the obvious, right? You right, know, church, yeah, church music. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I think other than that, Christian genre. My dad, my dad was a big mainstream country guy, so mm. Garth Brooks mm-hmm. and Kenny Chesney and and the like. And um, oh, I hated it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you said you said Garth Brooks, so I get yeah. to talk about Chris Gaines. It's okay. a rule on the podcast that I get to ah. talk about a made-up fictional singer okay. named Chris Gaines, who was really Garth Brooks. And if you're not familiar with this, you can- Like he did a whole- He like, pretended to be a different person, oh, wow. and it's very 90s emo- um, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, I definitely have like to check it's like this it's out. like alternative. It's somewhere between like alternative adult nineties and like a little. He had black hair like straight across his face. Wow, it's weird. They basically they were gonna, I think, make a like a like a fake documentary about a this fictional singer uh-huh. who was played by Garth Brooks, but also. His it's been it's been like scrubbed from the internet. It's incredible. <laughs> well, like it's gone. There's now. some. I mean, you like, can like you know if you if you YouTube around, you might find one of the music videos. Yeah. And if you look around, you'll find stuff. But like they work at keeping that before it came out. Everybody knew it was happening, and I think either the label or whoever was like, "We're not doing that anymore." Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. So <laughs> all right. I'm very interested in that. That's a um, whole new dimension. To you can Garth you can Brooks tell your dad I... you can have Garth Brooks songs. Yeah. That, never heard before that's so funny um okay uh do you have siblings yeah i have a sister um older younger younger Younger. uh did you have the older brother music influence on her i don't know not very much i think she was very much more into like uh hip-hop and rap and and that type of music you know um did you guys play any instruments in the house you were her or you were she i did a lot yeah Yeah. i started i started playing instruments when i was young 12 12 years old 13 years old um i had started playing like violin and cello when i was in the fourth and fifth grade and that kind of just kept me into strings music and and learning how to write and read music and um <clears throat> you know, music theory, all of that. I just took that all the way through grade school and into college. And so music was definitely, if I wasn't like banging on drums, I was, you know, singing a song or a guitar. Did it come naturally to you? Like, or did, or did your parents send you? Like, how did, how did you get I think it was just it? natural. I just think I had a natural like inclination towards it, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, do you remember, uh, it's probably not fair to ask the actual first time. What's the first time you remember um, seeing somebody perform music live again, like church is easy. It's right, really, but um, not at church. Let's say the first time you saw somebody making music in front of you. Yeah, it's such a corny answer. I think it had to have been like a, a concert from like a Newsboys, sure, band, Newsboys or whatever. Um, Take me to your leaders. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> yeah, you know the the background well. That's a good one. Uh, so I think it had to have been like that. I mean, I must have. Like that, or like Carmen, or something like that. <laughs> that. You know, I think I, I think my dad took me to a Carmen concert. I have when been I was like to eight a years concert. old or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember Riot? Oh yeah, Big I had time. the movie. Yeah, Big Woo. Time. We had the movie. Yeah, I like choreographed <laughs> in my bedroom to those songs. I, yeah. I, 
<laughs> Sometimes, some you know, I'll hear some chord progression in a different song, and my brain will trip into one of those, yeah. and I'll just be okay. I guess this is what I hear now all day. It's <laughs> so funny. Um, <clears throat> all right. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the first music that then that you owned? That was yours. That was, you know, like your dad or your mom or your sister didn't have anything to do with any of it. And this was Bryce's music. Like that I listened to, like something that yeah. I had latched on to. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Especially if you found it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think that um, I got into, like I had mentioned, some of those like Tooth and Nail Records mm-hmm. bands and stuff. And a lot of that was me starting to explore what I liked. And, and it led me to heavier stuff. And mm-hmm. so, like, I remember being young and like getting like the under oath they're only chasing safety cd mm-hmm. I, I, that stands out to me like i can remember where i was i think we were in like a target or something and I, and it was there and i was like dad i want to buy this you know it's got like the girl with the like oxygen mask yeah. on her face and stuff and i don't know i think that was when i was starting to really get into um uh hardcore and metal and things like that and that that was probably the first genre that i had like latched onto um what was uh the first uh song or band that you remember um or maybe maybe you didn't have to ever do it uh did you have to fly things under the radar yeah and, oh especially when i was like 15 16 yeah. years old so, yeah so what was the first one you had to convince them to let you play it's like, like like talk your parents yeah. into like this one's okay it's fine it's good this is <laughs> yeah right like trying to convince them that like yeah. the lyrics yeah. checked out and, and as an and as an example like i yeah. one of my early episodes was with my friend Sinelli popowitz okay. and he had to convince his parents <laughs> that living on a prayer was fine <laughs> it was bon Jovi, like it's about it's about prayer like yeah. how could it be <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um I'm trying to remember the 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 who it was. You know, it fell under one of those like quote unquote Christian hardcore. I think it was hmm. August Burns Red or Christmas or time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was August Burns Red. Yeah. Uh, and you know, trying to he. My dad was listening to it. And I was like, no, like like showing him the lyrics and how they're like positive and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and I think he ended up giving it the green light, but I think August Burns Red comes to mind. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's get to your first song here. Okay, uh, cool. I want to get, get going on that. Um, so what did you bring us? Yeah. First song First song is um, is a song called Collie Strings by Manchester Orchestra. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think for all three of them, I really tried to think about pivotal moments in my life. Yeah. Like I listen to music, as you can already tell, like music's just been a part of my life. And so to try to think about not just, I have so many memories attached to music, you know, and soundtracks to different parts of my life. But um, what were the moments, like what were the songs that were very pivotal for me that like left a, a big impression enough to like say like, hey, that sent me kind of like in a new trajectory in life or something mm, like yeah. that, you know. So I try my best to, like, pick those types of moments, you know. But do you want to talk about the moment or do you want to listen to the song first? Mm. The song first on this one. All right. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Collie Strings by Manchester Orchestra off of their 2006 album, I'm Like a Virgin Losing a Child. This is Bryce Ivey's first song on Three Song Stories. You know, I think... This was my first song for a reason, and even just the band for a reason, because Manchester Orchestra has just been, I think, the big scope of all of my music listening and everything that I've absorbed over all of these years. Like, they stand out probably as 
having the biggest impact on my life. And, Mm. um, you know, I was moving at the time, my family and I were living in North Carolina and we were caravanning. We were moving down here to Florida again. And I was 15. You could have your driver's license in North Carolina at 15. I had a car and kind of, you know, driving down the highway with them. But right before we uh, took this big family trip uh, down south, <clears throat> I was in an FYE and looking for, you know, some new CDs to, to listen to. That's a store to. where you buy discs of music, <laughs> right? kids. <laughs> Insert like the explanation. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, I grabbed like three CDs. I can't even remember what the other two were. And uh, But I, I remember picking this one up. I'm like a virgin losing a child blind. Like I had never heard of them. This was their first full-length like record, like – um, and so I picked it up and uh, I put it in my my car and listened to it like nonstop hmm. all the way down. And I was just so hooked on it because it had this like heavy side to it, but this songwriting element. And it was just, you know, I think when indie was at its like peak, kind mm. of that indie rock. Um, you were 15. Yeah. What car was this? That I was driving a 1993 Toyota Tercel. In 2006. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my first car. It's a yeah, long drive is. from yeah. North Carolina. I'm just, yeah. I'm picturing what a drive in yeah. Tercel listening to this. Just, so yeah. good. Um, yeah, yeah. You you mentioned that, you know, these songs are pivotal. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, how how did this kind of... How did the, yeah yeah where was the right pivot? right right so that's just that's just kind of the context you know mm-hmm. how 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 this this band kind of just dropped into my life you know and so <clears throat> by the time I'm I think I was I was 16 now we kind of got settled in, in Bonita Springs where mm-hmm. I still live mm-hmm. and um and I was obsessed with Manchester Orchestra and I saw they were on tour and I they were coming through uh, Ybor City playing at the Orpheum, the OG one, or- Orpheum. And uh, um, I was able, I, you know, convince my dad to let my girlfriend and I at the time go. And her parents dropped us off. And and I get out and Andy Hull, the lead singer of Manchester Orchestra, just like sm- smoking a cigarette outside. I got to meet him as I'm walking into the venue. Wow. It was just a cool little moment for a 16-year-old, yeah. you know. And it's packed. There's like only like probably like three, 400 people in the room, but it's like jam-packed, sold-out night. And they just rocked so hard, you know, and the very last song, like there wasn't like an encore or anything. It was just like last song of the night, the band left and it was just Andy Hull on an electric guitar and he played collie strings. And, you know, you hear how big it gets at the end. And I mean, he just went for it and he's just belting out these big kind of like emotional notes. And the <clears throat> crowd is absolutely speechless. And we just all like stood there in silence. We're oh, just great. Feeling the moment. And then he just finished and he just took his guitar off. He's like, God bless. Have a good night. He walked off stage and the room was just dead silent. And there was like no screams or chants for encores. And it was just like you could feel the – it was like tangible, the emotion. And and, um, and so then everybody just kind of scattered and started like leaving and the lights came on and the the music turned up slowly, the house music and – I don't know. It was just one of these moments. It's like burned into my brain, just mm. just connecting that way and, and thinking to myself, like, I want to do that. Mm. I want to share music like that, you know. And if and if it was only ever to 300 people in a room that were just attentively listening. Just like that. Yeah. Captivated, that would be enough for me. You know what I mean? 
And um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that just set me on a trajectory of just I started putting bands together and playing in local bands and writing myself and and um, and that started just a journey for me. Manchester Orchestra was a huge inspiration into my songwriting. So, uh, so as as that kind of springboarded you into performing um, in this is late high school now. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably not a lot of cellist needs, a lot of violin oh, right. needs in, in garage <laughs> yeah. bands for high schoolers. Exactly. So um, what, did, what did you start to play first? Like, what Well, you... I had started playing guitar when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. And so just slowly getting bass around that same time too. And so um, by the time I was 16, you know, I was songwriting with an acoustic. Ah, excellent. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. What, um, <clears throat> what was the music scene let's say at your school or in your social circles at the time. Yeah. You know, like if you know anything about Southwest Florida, it's not known for its music scene. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's a retirement community or has been for a mm-hmm. long time. And, um, and it was back then in 2006, 2007, you know, there was really not much going on. Um, so it was like very minimal. There wasn't much of a scene for indie rock or folk rock or or a singer songwriter kind of genres. Um, and so, ironically enough, though, like I had a classmate and I, I was wearing a Manchester Orchestra T shirt, and and uh, she like threw a pin or something at me. She was like, "Hey." <laughs> Her name was Kristen Jones, and okay. she was like, "Hey, you listen to Manchester Orchestra?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she called her brother. She was like, "Tanner," uh, you know. And I became I became friends with with uh, Tanner and Kristen uh, early on, right when we had moved, and and we shared the same taste in music, and so we were able to bond and started playing in a band together. And so, although we were a minority, you know, we found some strength there amongst ourselves. In those yeah. mid-aughts. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was important for indie kids to, to succeed. Together. Yeah, exactly. You had to. Um, yeah. Speaking of, uh, uh, so like at, let's say, hmm, a school dance, right. what kind of songs would you have expected to hear? Oh, man. I don't, I mean, probably just not the, that all one. of the mainstream stuff, right? Like Katy Perry songs, mm-hmm. whatever those like heartstrings. What's that Boulevard? What, what oh, was Boulevard that? Green, Broken Dreams. Green Day yeah. song yeah. Or, or Wake Me Up When September Ends or whatever. <laughs> like those were the school dance songs, you know? Okay. Um, <clears throat> can you think back to or remember your first slow dance? Mm. Well, I, I, told, I told you I was like into metal and all of this obscure indie rock. So uh-huh. I I played cello. I wasn't like going to dances. And oh, okay. stuff, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't. Did you mean to dancing, intimate? When you, you know? say I played cello, did you mean to for me to gauge your popularity based right? on that? I mean, I guess I was like odd. I I wasn't a nerd, but I kind of you know you played cello. Weird, dude? I didn't really have a home. I was mm. kind of just a misfit because like sure. I would get along with with a- athletes and and nerds and gamers and and musicians. I guess I kind of found a home in that like band orchestra world because they're all kind of misfits. That's a, you know? that's We're a kind, kind of person. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I think I think my first slow dance, dude. I, it was I was late bloomer, like maybe like seventeen or eighteen or something. It was like a prom. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, but nothing like it doesn't stand out okay. to me, you know. Um, okay, so uh, adjacent to band kids, uh, theater kids, mm-hmm. uh, were you a theater kid or did you do any of that stuff? No, but I respected 
it, you know, and like had friends that were in theater and stuff. But no, I never like dove into it. It, ne- it never called me. Okay. Just you know. uh, stage, but music. Right, right. right. Okay. Like I played, I was in those performances in the pit or something oh, cool. like that. Okay. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But I wasn't like on the stage. Sure. Yeah. Well, you can't be. Also, very hard to do both of those. Yeah, so. right. Um, so uh, did you know you wanted to do something like what you do now, which is kind of hard to describe, but like something in this arena for a living, at, like that far back? Or was it more of a hobby? Like, did you think you were going to do something else? Um. Mm, that's such a good question. And it just like, I think, I think, you know, understanding my upbringing and just, you know, I think looking back now, I wanted to be that what I'm doing now is as an artist, a musician working in the music industry with Sugar Shack and things like that. Like, um, this is me really being my truest self and, and being who I feel like God created me to be, you know. Um, but at that time, growing up in that environment, it, it, I think for me, I felt like, well, there's really only one path or one way to go. And it's kind pastor. of pastor. Dad's a pastor. You're dad's a pastor. pastor. I'm a pastor. Yeah. yeah. And so I actually did do that. And I was a pastor for about nine and a half, almost 10 years. I was a pastor. It's a long time to be a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so as you, as you moved off, did this, did it seem like an obvious move? to get into music stuff because I know you can Sugar Shack kind of bounce into each other. It was kind of a happenstance thing. We're going to talk about the Shack in a little bit, but I just wanted to ask kind of mm-hmm. um, how obvious was it to you that you were going to do this when you started doing it? Like, was it was it like, this is the move, this is clearly the thing, or was it a big... Uh, in my in my transition out yeah. of being a pastor, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, man, it, you know what? I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you. Uh, as I came to the end of my, my time being a pastor, I was in a very unhealthy place mm-hmm. and, um, and I had a lot of toxic habits and just that I had not dealt with that I had ignored, you know, that were, it was all coming to the surface. And so my exit out of, you know, church ministry vocationally, yeah. um, was a really messy one, you know, and it involved, you know, me making a lot of mistakes and kind of blowing my life up, like lighting my life on fire mm-hmm. because I was, I had gotten to the point where internally I was, I, I wasn't who I was supposed to be. I wasn't meant to be a pastor for the rest of my life. That's not what I was called to. You know what I mean? I, I was created to be a musician and to work in the music industry. And, and so that was starting to war, you know? And so my, my exit was messy and kind of scandalous and um and I fell out of that it felt like I fell out of that I always tell people it's like I I fell backwards and landed on my back in sugar shack (laughs) 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 and I don't know how other than just God God being so gracious to me but just getting kind of getting up and reorienting myself and then I realized, like, this is my community. This is mm-hmm. where I'm supposed to be. It's like a, I was plucked out of one environment and put in another one, and, and it was like, grow here, root here. This is, like, where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And as soon as I just embraced that, you know, um, it everything since that day forward has just felt right and been right and mm. felt good and natural. And, and, you know, when you're in the right place and you're around the right people – 
things just the door the right doors are opening and there's an ease to it you know yeah. you don't feel like you're just i mean we all work hard there's there's a season to grind right but um there was just an ease that entered my life because i was aligned now you oh, know i get it yeah and so um and so yeah i know I, that that's and then, and then in that process saying to myself this is this is who i was supposed to be all along like like i'm living my true self and I would think back to the being 16 and 15 and think, look, then I was immersed in music. Then I was putting bands together. Yeah. Then, and then I took this big pause. Yeah. You know what I when mean? When you didn't have to think about a paycheck, you were doing kind of like this. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how it, it's all evolved. It's been this really cool redemptive story of coming back to who I really feel like I am, which is a musician and an artist, you know. Mm. So. As a rule, we ask our guests not to bring wedding dance songs, um, but I'm going to flip the question um, and I'm going to ask, since you had an elopement, yeah, um, is there a song that you and your wife consider to be your elopement song? <laughs> Dude, it's so funny. Uh, we, yeah, right. We, we just got eloped and um, we didn't have any kind of formal ceremony or reception. It was just we all went back to the Airbnb and just had just parties. Oh, man, it was such a great time. You know, it was just 20 of our closest friends, you know, under one roof and <laughs> In Utah, in this really pretty cabin, (laughs) you know, in the in the mountains, and we just cooked a big family dinner meal, and um, I put on uh, just in an impromptu moment. I was like, I want to still have a kind of a first dance moment, and so Claudia, my wife, was cooking in the kitchen with her friends and laughing and hanging out, and I switched the music over to this song. It's a cover. It's a Sturgill. Well, Sturgill Simpson's cover of The Promise. It's a song called Mm -hmm. The Promise, um, which is like this '80s song, and uh, he he covers it, but his version is just so awesome. And um, so I put that on and. and I just grabbed her and we kind of danced in the kitchen and everybody came around and kind of took some pictures and videos. And it was just like a very casual and like spontaneous moment. But that would that would be it. OK. You know, the promise. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you and your wife's uh, music taste most converge and where do they most diverge? Divert? Mm, diverge. Diverge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's something that really had brought us together, you know, and we we love music so much. And so um I would say where we align on a lot, man. She, I got her. I, I roped her into all of the outlaw country, so yep. she's in it now. Um, so she, li- we listen to a lot of like some of the mainstream stuff out right now, like Zach Bryan and Tyler Childers. We listen to a lot of that together. She loves indie stuff too. So I mean, we've gone through seasons where we're listening to Manchester Orchestra together, and she's like obsessed on her own, like deep diving in. And I'm like, I oh, know it's so good. Um, so a lot of indie rock. We go to a lot of concerts together. We, our first date was at a Taking Back Sunday concert. Yeah. And so we, we got just faced and, and it was at Revolution Live in Fort Lauderdale. I've and, been there. Yeah. yeah. And, I saw Walk the Moon there. I think oh, cool. I didn't know I was going to be wall to wall, like teenage girls. <laughs> I thought I was going to go with my friends and we were going to see like this kind of indie pop, you know, thing. Right. That was not the experience. <laughs> it's so funny. It's very high pitched. Yeah. That's awesome. So we just, we bond on a lot, you know, um, there's probably more that we align on. Even, even when we first met and started dating, we would listen to a little metal and hardcore together. Yeah. Now, like she's pregnant and she's like, I don't like, I'm not listening to metal these 
these days and stuff. I mean, feeding your, feed your upcoming son <laughs> yeah. a, a dose of metal. Um, yeah, right. So, uh, what is something that if she puts it on, you're like, okay, yeah, it's fine. All right. So my wife is also like half Dominican and half Cuban, mm-hmm. and so she blasts reggaeton music sometimes. And like, I'm for all genres, but sometimes I'm like, can't listen to any more reggaeton or Bad Bunny. You know what right. I mean? It's so that's probably where I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's fair. But she's just getting her like, it's an energy thing for her. You know, she she's her range of taste. It's mm-hmm. so it's it's broader than mine, and so she well, can know, get down. Yeah. You know, with reggaeton, uh, I've, I'm going to guess, just going to put a guess out here that that music comes on and she starts dancing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely. And if you're not going to dance, it can be a little repetitive to yeah. just like, yep, yep, yep. Oh, that's that's the stuff. Exactly. <laughs> but, but if you're moving, yeah. yeah. Claudia, uh, Claudia is actually the one that that got me out of my box and started getting me to dance and she would take me out and let's go dance and stuff and so she yeah she got me dancing so right. so sometimes when some some baboony comes on i i Did dance a little bit right. yeah yeah uh you also have a daughter a uh, young daughter um are there any songs that you were excited to share with her that she's really like latched on to you know, maybe, you know, she's six, so it, I, I really just try to keep an open mind with her mm-hmm. and just try to expose her to yeah. a lot of different genres. Right now, she still just latches on to, you know, your Disney anthem songs like Let It Go mm-hmm. or Encanto. She loves all of that stuff. But she has been getting in like she, – she was really hooked on some Queen stuff the other day. Hey. Like she got into another one, Bites the Dust. She got into uh, We Will Rock You. I don't know. I was like, okay. So we did a little Queen exploring, you know. My, my daughter is 11, but as far back as when she was eight or so, Newfound Glory uh, – Newfound <laughs> Glory has a version of Let It Go that she – Rocks too pretty hard. Best. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So. so I try to keep, you know – I, I want her to just I want to help her navigate and like what what does she like and mm-hmm. help guide her and like but I also want her to be exposed and be like this is good music and this is good music and this is good music and this is like just to really help her have a good taste in in music you know cool all right um all right let's do your second song nice. uh, what do you got I think it would be cool to maybe tell the story of this one first you know so mm-hmm. that you can almost kind of just transport into the moment yeah um, but. You know, I, I've given you so much, so much story and context already. This this will really mean mean a lot. But um, <clears throat> as I was uh, getting to know some of the Sugar Shack guys, you know, in, in the interim between being a pastor and working for Sugar Shack, I was uh, at Narrative Coffee Roasters. It was a <gasps> local coffee. I'm a roasters giant thing. fan of Narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for a little over a year. I was the head roaster, and I got really into coffee and dove deep into it. And... We are going to talk about coffee later. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sure. Um, so, um, you know, and, and at the time, uh, the owner at the time, Caleb, had this really cool trade agreement with Sugar Shack to where they would get free coffee and we would get free marketing material, which I mean, no brainer. You yeah. know, so we would hang out a lot. We would do these cool coffee profile videos together and and they started seeing me on camera, you know, and uh, and just I, I, because I had grown up in the mega church world and production, church production. I was I was natural in front of cameras and and uh, and so they were like, we got to get this guy for a podcast or whatever. So I did some contracting work for like a year with Sugar Shack just doing podcasts. And then um, it, an opportunity for a position was starting to open up and they wanted to kind of, you know, the shack moves really slow. 
in their hiring process because they want to make sure that, you know, it's the right fit mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of just how unique the company is. And um, my first, like, uh, it like initiation or whatever, like kind of interview, like, is this the right fit? They took me to a festival in Key West, Florida called Coast is Clear. It's a really cool festival uh, celebrating the end of like a, the hurricane season mm-hmm. when the coast is clear. They, they throw this folk Americana festival. I didn't really know much, uh, anything about it. And at the time, I just thought to myself, uh, Sugar Shack is really just affiliated with reggae. And I was kind of like, the two genres that I never liked growing up was <laughs> yeah. country and reggae, you yeah. know? And um, and so I was like, well, f- it. if I have to only ever work in the reggae industry, I would rather work in the music industry and yeah. just learn to like embrace and love it. Since then, I really have. Of course. Lo- love, learned to love it, yeah. you know? Um, so I, I just didn't. I don't know. I thought it would be awesome to work for the shack. But at the same time, I know you, you've heard my taste and upbringing, like what I like. Is that ever going to be the right fit, you know? And so now I'm here at this festival and there's this band there uh, on the lineup that I had never heard of called Susto. And part of what we do at the festival, we do full coverage, but we also work with bands and try to get like on the spots, like, hey, let's record a song that we can post to our channel. Mm-hmm. Kind of like if you guys were like at a fest and wanted to do one of these yeah. on the fly, yep. right? Oh, <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so same concept, you know what I mean? And um, I was, we had gone up to this like fort, this old military fort that had been historically refurbished and it was a piece of museum and a part of the, the history of Key West. And um uh, we found this really cool second floor. It just the reverb is crazy. And a few members of Susto gathered around the lead singer and sang this song, Dream Girl, by Susto. And um, I just – it was a moment for me that I was like, I'm home. Like this is my genre of music. This is who I want to be. This is the my, what I kind of stuff I write. And I'm just like – I am discovering a band through this channel. If you if, – if you're not familiar with Sugar Shack, it, it's a music discovery platform on, on YouTube. And people go to Sugar Shack to discover new artists, you know. And here I am, and it's happening in real to life you. time yeah. to me as a potential new team member mm-hmm. of this company um, that that I'm like, I love this band, you know, and I'm hearing them play this song live, recording it for the first time. And it was just such a confirmation for me. That I was exactly where I needed to be in that moment and that this was my new community. Like these were my guys. These were my people. And yeah, like two weeks later, they offered me a full-time position, you know. And so it was just this really cool pivotal moment in my life. And now Susto is like one of my favorite modern bands, dude. I just love them so much. We've gotten to do some work with them and Susto rocks. Uh, About what year would that have been? Oh, that festival? Yeah. Um, 2021. Okay, so this is Dream Girl by Susto off of the 2021 recording uh, at the Coast is Clear Festival recorded by the Sugar Shack team. This is uh, Bryce Ivey's second song. It's biography through music. I can't stay no more. I can't stay no more. We had Eddie Kopp, uh, the founder of the Shack, um, and also the, the liver at the shack. Um, uh, he, was on, he was on our show a while back, uh, so we don't have to go super into depth. 
But can you explain briefly to our listeners again what what Sugar Shack is, like the location, the right. YouTube channel, yeah. and then and then like the experience? Absolutely, yeah. So Sugar Shack is a music discovery platform. It's also a, a multimedia company, mm-hmm. and so it, it's cool. It's multifaceted, and and it's kind of just become this really awesome creative hub that's exploding out of Southwest Florida. And, and the heart of it is in Bonita Springs. You know, Sugar Shack started 10 years ago in the backyard of a, a little shack home in Bonita Springs on a patio deck. And we record live acoustic sessions there. And over the last 10 years now, hundreds of bands have come through to record um, live acoustic sessions of their songs. And um, we film them, we capture it, video, audio, and then we edit it and post it to our uh, YouTube page that now has over 440,000 subscribers. <laughs> and um, and it's just become this massive flourishing community of people that just – come together around music, you know, and I think what sets us apart is is that it's real, raw, and it's live. So, you know, we embrace the imperfections that are captured during a song and, you know, we want we want it to have that very real, tangible, gritty feel to it. So, um so yeah, it's just it's awesome. And then and then over over the years as a Sugar Shack grew, uh fans would ask, when can we come to a session? Can we come to a session? Can we come to a session? And Eddie's answer was always no. This is my house. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> my fiance and I live here. Like it's not okay. Like we're not equipped. There are like, enough people here. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean back then it was a, a gravel driveway, mm-hmm. dirt driveway. I mean, it was really quite shacky, you know. And um, it just couldn't facilitate that. But as the company grew, they saw an opportunity to open it up to the public and start sharing these experiences. And so back in 2022 is when they asked me to come on out of that moment. So picking up from that Susto moment, recording that two weeks later, they officially asked me to to come on full time with the team and and basically – be the one that that would turn sessions into an experience. And so since then, we pour concrete down on the driveway and turned the Eddie's driveway into an event space with, uh, you know, a craft cocktail open bar, a three-course organic meal, hosts. You can listen to the the recording through these Bluetooth wireless headphones. Um, there's now a podcast element that happens after the session with the band. Hosted by? Hosted by me. I am the <laughs> podcast host. Yeah. So this this comes natural for me. Yeah. But um yeah, and uh and it's just now we're now now we have a wait list of over almost fifteen hundred people and mm. um sessions are sold out through like four months in advance right now. And um uh we posted like four sessions a few weeks ago to that list and they sold out in 24 hours. Yeah. We, so it's madness right Mike now. <laughs> and I were there back right before Christmas break for us. And um, I I talked to some people while I was there um, on the way back to the car who had come down from Jacksonville. And I think I met a couple from Kentucky. Yeah. And they had flown to come to see a band who they didn't know, right? Because right? you guys don't. It's a blind ticket. It's a blind ticket. <laughs> right. You buy the time, yeah. and then they find out there right. who's gonna, who's playing. Um, and they, you know, if that sounds crazy, and you're listening to me, none of the people there were even slightly perturbed about like right. whether or not it was going to be great. Probably because they were giant fans of the channel and they knew it was going to be great. Um, and I have to 
you know, so your title is like podcast host and experience director. Right. And uh, they did do a really good job of kind of the, the experience as a whole is, is really incredible. Oh, um, yeah. I would be, I would say that I'm pitching it, except you guys are sold out for four months. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I want you to know that like the thing you're trying to do is, is coming through. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I like that. That's, um, <laughs> that is a, uh, that is a company sound that all of you guys make. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> like Eddie does it. Yeah. Justin does it's, it. I guess, you Dave know, when you, when you do life, you know, it's not really a, it's a weird thing, right? It's a job yeah. and it's a workplace and we're all very professional, but it's also a family yeah, you and can it's tell. a community. So we we do life together. Yeah. And um, yeah, hell yeah is definitely one of those. <laughs> the general You get the slow one to the hell yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so, you know, you guys have bands that come in from uh, very far out of town. When I was there, it was um, um, Coyote Island, uh, yeah. who, oh. like your goal is, I am now a big fan of. Um, so great. I, I actually ran into <clears throat> the lead singer in the house um, and I in the sh- inside the shack, and I said, hey, I'm Chinese Jamaican. I grew up hearing songs that I didn't know I knew, but then, like, I'd hear a reggae song and go, oh, I know this song. I don't know right. how. And I said, you guys are from Maine. Your songs sound like the kinds of songs that I know that I don't know already. I was like, you could have told me that you were doing covers all night. And I would have been like, yeah, these feel familiar. Yeah. So, um, that's awesome. So quick side. Yeah. Mike, Mike and I are great friends and I actually recorded my EP, my, my band Sunstate Blues. We recorded at Mike's house at Coyote Island. Oh yeah. He has a coyote, you know, he calls it Coyote yeah, Island yeah, yeah, in the yeah. studio. And so, uh, I spent a week with him there and went down the Coyote Island wormhole. And well, we're going to talk about your band literally on the next section uh, or on the next question. Cool. But first, I want to find out, um, are there local bands now that the music scene has evolved somewhat here down, you know, down in Southwest Florida um, that you like to shout out or that you have recently kind of bumped up against? And enjoy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're doing a lot of cool work with some local bands right now. And uh, the music the music scenes on the rise mm-hmm. you know in in our area so uh, i want to shout out my boys at west wave west wave they're awesome you if you live in this area and you're listening to this go check out west wave west wave band is their instagram handle uh, sprout eddie's band they're awesome mm-hmm. modern reggae rock band but there are some really awesome homies and we just love to see what they're doing. There's a really cool band in town. It's kind of this R&B, smooth jazz R&B, but they're a bunch of young kids. Uh, Billy Rose. Check out Billy Rose. And uh, they've got a lot of cool stuff happening. And then, of course, like uh, individuals like Matt Walden. I love Matt Walden. And he's always just like crushing the game, man, just hustling hard. Hunter, Hunter McDaniel, who's the keys player for uh, West Wave. He also has a really cool project called Cool Chords. And Hunter McDaniel's got his own solo stuff that's really really cool so i mean the list goes on the free coasters uh, Rosaline. Yep, we, know the, we know the free co- yep, yeah caleb neff has been on the yeah, show yeah yep. caleb his, neff's awesome studio is yeah. great yep yeah. Oh, okay Epic. yeah so yes yeah. that's yeah, a good yeah, list yeah. um all right and then yes you are in uh you are in a band also um sun state blues correct you want to talk about what you guys do yeah i mean we're like uh uh kind of americana rock psychedelic rock um and we're still kind of babies, you know. The whole project is is just kind of getting off the road or getting off the ground, and um, and so we're excited. We've got an EP out. We're writing a lot of music right now, and kind of gearing up for the next record and what we want it to sound like and feel like. And until then, we're just 
playing around town as much as we can. We're a dad band. We all <laughs> have kids. I love dad band. And um, so, you know, it's like we're all now in our early 30s and we all have careers and shit. So, you know, juggling it all can be a challenge. But we're like, fuck it. Like, if we're going to send it, let's send it. So we're, we all take it really serious. <laughs> and um, like tomorrow we're playing this badass house party. It's a chili cook-off house party. <laughs> And they booked us for it. We're really stoked about that, cool. you know. And so, yeah, we play around town a bunch, and we're starting to get, you know, more connected with with the scene and and other bands. And you know, my goal would be to just get on the road, man. Just get the show on the road, and uh, it'd be great to kind of open up for some bands around Florida and mm-hmm. stuff. So, in the right time, you yeah. know what I mean. As yeah. as the right connections and relationships open up, I know that that'll happen. But until then, we're just. Getting as good as we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, other than the shack, um, what is a local venue that you've enjoyed playing at since, uh, like, as Sunset Blues? <clears throat> Probably our favorite, our favorite venue. It's a newer one. It's in Naples. It's called the Burrow, mm-hmm. and it's this really beautiful outdoor venue. And it has this outdoor garden stage. And then, you know, there's all of these cool places for people to lounge and sit and stand. And you just feel like you're playing in this really big garden. And for whatever reason, our band and their community, it just we, – we fit. And mm. so anytime we play there as a full band, it's just slamming. We've, I mean, we, we pack the place out. And uh, I think it's just my favorite because the people just come ready to – Listen to our music, which feels good in Southwest Florida. I mean, most of the time we're just playing to a party scene or a bar scene. Yeah. So when the, it's cool when you when you show up to a, a spot and people are like ready to listen to what you have to play. Um, and so that's got to be my our favorite venue in town cool. by far, the Borough. Uh, Shout out to Dana and Shannon for running the Borough. They're awesome. They're great people. Yeah. Um, what's the last concert you went to? Hmm. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Last concert I was at, I think it was Charlie Crockett at the ranch. He was just here in Fort Myers at the ranch. I cut the promo for that for our airways. (laughs) Nice. And uh, I was like, Charlie Crockett's in Florida? In ranch. Fort Myers, yeah. I'm not gonna not go to this. So I, I feel like I feel like I've seen I've been to a show since then, but it, to be honest, because we're just in it so much, mm. sometimes I can't like remember. I get it. <laughs> like, well, sometimes hey, Charlie like, Crockett made an impact. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. Um, what is your dream act uh, to see live, living or dead? Definitely right now, Sturgill Simpson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and it's like if I if I could if 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 he ever comes back to play another show or a, a string of shows, I've already told my wife I've prepared her. I was like, babe, whatever I got to do, whatever we got to do, I yeah. got to see this man live. You know, my, uh, <laughs> my wife and I have an agreement that should Daft Punk ever actually like tour anywhere yeah. inside of North America yeah. again, that barring financial ruin, yeah, we will right. simply purchase tickets and go. You just make a way. Like, you would figure it out. Yeah. It yeah. just, it'd have to happen. Um, yeah. so I totally get it. Um, yeah. do you, uh, if you, if you could pick any band to be in the crowd of, 
to get called up to jump in. Oh. <laughs> what group would that be? And what song would you want to jump in on? Probably like, like I don't know if you follow Zach Bryan on Instagram. Mm-hmm. No? Okay. Well, he's, you know, on tour. He's on fire right now. And uh, he's very interactive. It would definitely have to be Revival by Zach Bryan just because they go so hard at the end okay. of that song. Yeah. Um, do you have a dream guest for the shack? For you, not for the company. For like, like <laughs> two, two, yeah. one, one almost came true. Yeah, uh, and it just—it's going to happen. And mm-hmm. then two, I mean, just like I would love to see Sturgill live somewhere. I mean, Sturgill <gasps> doing your doing your guys at yeah. Sugar Shack. Yeah, yeah. You know, one time his name got brought up. We were talking to. We were just in preliminary talks of a sponsorship mm-hmm. thing. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this. I'm I'll, uh, sure it's I'll, 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 I'll bleep the name <laughs> yeah. there. Okay, cool. And um, and they brought his name up as like, oh, it would be cool if we got Whoa. him there. And I was like, don't you f- with me yeah. right now. You know what I mean? Don't break my heart. So, yeah. No, okay. So I think definitely that's like Dude, that would be so epic. Or like Willie Nelson at at the shack. Oh my gosh. Anything, anything, you know, any of those outlaw country dudes would be really, really cool. That would be cool. All right. Speaking of, let's get to your third song, I think. Yeah. Yeah, third song is Turtles All the Way Down by Sturgill Simpson. And I think I'll tell the story first just because it feels good. But, um, you know, I like I'd go ahead. Oh. No, I, I could hear you through the glass just now, Jared. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I've okay. just been having this weird like. It's not even. I'm not sick, but I've just had this little frog in my throat that just won't. Go <laughs> That's okay. Eating. If I can hear it through so the, many cough drops. If I can hear yeah. it through the double glass, I just want to make sure you're alive. That's so funny. All right. So you were saying you're going to tell a story first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd like to tell the story first. Um, uh. You know, I, I had mentioned earlier in the podcast that there were two genres I hated growing up, and that was reggae and country music, yeah. you know? And I was just, I was so adamantly opposed to country. And um, Susta was kind of like a gateway drug a little bit for me because they they would, his songwriting style would kind of pull some country outlaw country a little bit and into his style. And so mm. I started seeing like, all right, who's like, who are they following on, you know? And so I started like listening. I discovered a lot of artists and bands through Susto and started realizing that there's, you know, because I grew up sheltered, not realizing like there's this whole history of outlaw country music, yeah. you know, that I just, was bl- completely blind to, you know, and I'm sure that there are, you know, so many people that would listen to this that would just be like, oh, my God, how is that possible? But when you grow up as a church kid and your parents weren't listening to that, you know what I mean? Like, I just never got into it. I never even thought thought about going back and listening to John Prine or like mm-hmm. w- w- Waylon Jennings, Jennings yeah. you know, Merle Haggard and stuff like that, guys like that. And so um, but my drummer in my band had started getting into it. He was always like hardcore rock dude thrice uh <laughs> you know devil wears prada yeah. uh me without you is always nice. like super indie hard yeah. stuff you know and he had gotten into all of this modern outlaw country stuff and he was like no dude all of those guys are now playing in outlaw country bands you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's all punk people have like kind of embraced that genre 
And so he played some Sturgill for me, and I just couldn't re- – it was like too much too soon, you know. Um, but then I remember uh, giving it a shot, and I had these long dude commutes when I was working for Narrative. We were living in Fort Myers, and I would have like an hour drive to the to the roaster. And so um, I would just – Honestly, I would just get super high and I would just jam music. And I was one day I just gave it a shot and it was Turtles All the Way Down. I started that that album, Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music. Hunter, my drummer, was just like, dude, just give it a shot. Mm. Trust me. I know it's like you. It's prog rock, but country. Yeah, right? <laughs> and and it was just the perfect like amount of it all to like yeah. hook me. Yeah. And I think at the time too I was getting into a lot of like psychedelic drugs this is and what stuff. I mean, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I don't know, I just it finally hooked and, mm. and and those those commutes then became again I just would start it was like those Manchester Orchestra days, dude. I would listen to Sturgill over and over and over again and I just I learned Every song, man, I would just rock out, and I would drive. I would get to my first stop was Narrative, and I I would um I would get a iced coffee. I mean, at the time, iced tea. Mm-hmm. And dude, I would just drink it and outside, and I'd be stoned drinking some like ruby oolong tea. The sun is shining in Florida. I would get in my car, roll the windows down, and just blast Sturgill so loud, dude. Like <laughs> he's got that uh, expression or saying that he puts on his t-shirts, your speakers, mm-hmm. and like I would just like. Yeah, dude, I'd crank that. Well, let's hear it. Um, This is uh, Turtles All the Way Down by Sturgill Simpson off the 2014 album Meta Modern Sounds in Country Music. It's the final song uh, for Bryce Ivy on this episode of Three Song Stories. So I think some of the magic of that is Sturgill sounds so traditional country. Like, if you didn't speak English, you'd be like, that's country. That's country, yeah. But the lyrics are absolutely not. Right. Um, And I think that that's, there's something, you know, interesting in that mashup. Um, Tell me you're familiar with the the animated movie thing on Netflix. Yeah, that sounded very, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, that's how I bounced into Sturgill Simpson for the cool, first time which is very yeah it's yeah it's different, different and, yeah. and it has it's it's a it's definitely more driving it's got a little more rock to it yeah. um but it's also kind of that like if you if you're probably like a lifelong Sturgill Simpson fan you, you might not watch a lot of animated like right. samurai it's <laughs> what makes them things, so badass you know dude. yeah and so it would be and and vice versa. If you're yeah. like, yeah, I love anime. I watch all the anime. It's like, do you listen to this music? Mm-mm, no <laughs> idea who that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's an entire here's a 50 minute thing. Go right. and um, it's uh, it's just incredible. I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, remember to breathe. Yeah, and whichever is the track after that. Yeah, uh, remember to breathe. Um, it, the, it's the second track on the album, and then the third one is. Something else. Um, yeah, those two back to back are really good, though. Yeah, I'll tell you right now. What yeah, it go is. for it. Yeah, sing along. Oh, and sing along. Sing yeah, along. remember to those, breathe. And sing along. That part of the movie is kind <laughs> of like what got it the attention. Yeah, but I think it introduced a bunch of people to this artist, and then they would they ran to hear more music, and they were like, "Oh, this is this is a country artist." Um, right. Uh, so I I'm going to refer to my own pilot episode of this show, which is six years ago now, um, because my third song was like your third song. It was um, Tank, which is um, a jazz piece 
by uh, Yoko Kano off of Cowboy Bebop's. Uh, it's the opening theme for the animated for the anime Cowboy Bebop, and it is. It was the first time I was like, "Oh, that's why people like jazz. Mm-hmm. It, that's like music. Yeah, that's that's just like pure music. Right. I didn't know you could just have sounds like that. And it wasn't that I suddenly became a giant jazz guy, but all of a sudden I started listening to everything because I realized that I had not been listening to everything. Right. Um, so, um, do you listen to that song a lot today? Like, does it make its way into your regular listening? Definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, The whole album, that whole album. Is that kind of one of those front to back albums you gotta, if you start it, you're going to just. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, dude, I have listened to that album so many times now over and over. I just got it on vinyl for Christmas. I love it. But I mean, I, I've done that with his high top mountain, which was his first record. I did that with, um, I'm trying to remember the title of the, he won a, he won a, a Grammy for it too. It was the one in 2017 Sailor's Guide to Earth. Sailor's mm-hmm. Guide to Earth. Mm-hmm. That's what it's called, I think. And um, that one's epic. There's so much to that. I mean, dude, all they're all. I, I hope he's not done, man. I hope he keeps making music. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, Bryce, we are about to enter the speed round, if you're ready. Okay. Um, so first, what was the last time uh, that you bought physical music, not your Christmas present? <laughs> uh, I bought... Uh, a, a record I bought John R. Miller's most recent album, Heat Comes Down. It was a vinyl. I, we were doing a record exchange, all of us homies oh, for very Christmas. Fun. So I got that and, and I got my guitar player. So I got okay. it. Um, do you karaoke? No. Have you karaoke? <laughs> like once maybe. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Again, it's just like I was always just so sure. fucking like emo and punk about shit. Like, too I'm cool. Not, too, yeah, if you, were pushed, that, if you were pushed onto a stage and you had to pick a yeah. song, what would be your yeah. safe song to sing? Oh, like a safe song? What would be the one that you knew yeah. you could hit? Dude, I don't even know. I was just at some karaoke thing the other night and I was like, I'm not doing this. Um... Honestly, it would probably be some super poppy, mm-hmm. like Katy Perry song, like either uh, Party in the USA, yeah, Firework, <laughs> Firework. or Teenage Dream, or like yeah. I, I, as much as I was into metal and all of that mm-hmm. as a teenager, mm-hmm. I, I also uh, like had this closet obsession with a couple pop singers and so like i loved katie perry's teenage dream album i loved t swift's 1989 album i don't know i just got really into them for some reason i don't know. look Whatever. stylistically you know they can be <clears throat> preference or no but like they're put together in just an yeah they're great songs yeah, yeah. so good <laughs> right um okay uh if you were a pro wrestler what would your walk-on music be It would have to be something like Queens We Will Rock You or something we will like rock that. You it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's a classic, okay. you know. It's Give a me classic. a wrestler name. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Because I'm so like skinny and like lanky. I, I It would have to be something along those lines. I was like called Gumby growing up. I don't know. Something like. I, <laughs> I think you just did it. Plastic Man or something like that. Gumby Man. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm thinking since your last name's Ivy, I'm thinking of like vines and stuff and with yeah. the lankiness you know so you can work with that maybe i don't know maybe i don't know this is why i didn't go into pro wrestling uh, it's the only thing stopping <laughs> yeah other than my physique that, that was the decider strength. no 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 you just couldn't think of a good name and so you didn't do it um 
Is there, uh, is there, are there any particular songs that you avoid listening to because they do just this? They make you kind of, they yank you to a moment in time that you're like, I'm good. I'm going to change that song. Yeah, I, I feel I'm, I'm like almost like empathetic with music in a weird way where like I, I do feel that like, like I can, I can think, I can say to myself, I wonder. What if Richard's never heard Turtles All the Way Down? Hmm. And I know Richard a little bit like I'm imagining what it's like for you mm-hmm. listening mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. first time. So I, I feel that really viscerally with music. And so uh, there are definitely times where I'm listening to something and that specific song or an album takes me back to a s- certain moment in time. And I just don't want to feel that way, yeah. you know, where I've like over that moment or something, you know, and and I just won't. And I also like, um, I don't know how you listen to music, but I do this. I obsess over one record over and over. And when I'm done, I'm like, I'm done with you. (laughs) See you in a decade. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I, sometimes I just have worn something out, wore it out, you know. Um, What is the most recent band or musician that's, jumped into your life that you're now maybe latching onto and maybe listening to their album over and over again. John R. Miller. Yeah. The one John you got. John yeah. R. Miller. Yeah. Dude, everybody should listen to John. You know, I feel that way when I'm in it because yeah. you're just so You just want the it. world to. Yeah. And like, I'll give you, so like the other day I was, my guitar player and I were doing a little duo gig and in between sets, I was playing some John R. Miller and he comes up to me, CJ, and he says, this is a Tyler Childers song. And I was like, bro, I'm pretty sure this is a John R. Miller song. <laughs> And he pulls it up for me, and it's the same song coming down from the Live at the Red Barn album mm. from Tyler Childers. And uh, I was like, no way, dude. Sure enough, John R. Miller, who's still this obscure country artist, wrote it, and Childers <sighs> covered it. And Whoa. I was like, hell yeah, that, dude. That so. is like um, – that's like uh, I Love Rock and Roll that everybody knows Joan Jett for, but is actually by a band that she heard play it like – one year before that, right? Who are probably like, that's yeah. They're like, what, the f- man? That's our song. Everybody likes our song, <laughs> yeah. and it's like the same song. The solo is the same. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If you could broadcast any song into the head of every person in the world simultaneously, what song would it be? Oh man! And they would like have that moment where every, they would all like, everybody <laughs> would look at each other, knowing they're all hearing the same. Well, maybe not knowing. Everybody yeah. would hear it. I'm overthinking it. I mean, I don't know, man. There's so much good music. I love sharing music, but not everybody it's has the, the same it's taste. It's the ultimate share. You know, it's the ultimate share. And you only get one shot. You only get one. You and can either good. create lasting peace yeah. or <laughs> chaos. Forever chaos. Yeah. 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 And they have to hear the whole song because <laughs> you can't stop hearing. You can't skip it. You can't, no. Like, it's, it's, it's in their it's head. It's got to play out at least one time. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think I – and I, I couldn't just spit out a name. But I think I would take my time to really think through a, a classical piece of music. Mm. You know? That is an interesting answer. I just – I grew up – I grew up, like I said, in symphonic orchestra and orchestras. And, you know, when you're listening to a piece by by Bach or Mozart or Beethoven, you know, all of these incredible composers, you name it. and. Mm. You just you just stop and and listen to the complexity, you know, mm-hmm. and and we're talking about acoustically just 
acoustic instruments, no production. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Just, just balanced. Just pure just humans with me, just acoustic instruments, yeah. you know? And I just think in this fast-paced world, I wonder what it would be like if the entire world or whatever just for one moment, you know, just had stopped and just listened to this beautifully arranged, you know, overture or something like that, you know, and just stopped and slowed down and just got back to a piece of humanity or something like that. Yeah. I just thought of a wrestler name for you. <laughs> What's that? Ivy Leaguer? Ivy, Ivy Leaguer. That's pretty Leaguer good, pretty man. good. And pretty good. a lot of those yeah. names are like puns. I really <laughs> like it. Oh, my gosh, Ivy Jared. Leaguer. Cool. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to submit for your approval Dvorak. Dvorak, yeah. Uh, Great new, new World Symphony. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just so, moment, so yeah. soaring. and it's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. What song... Do you wish you could hear again for the first time? Like just forget the song and then be reintroduced to it. I, I feel like I could relive that that Susto moment, that dream mm. girl moment. I was even just thinking about it after I told the story. And I, I just almost can just see on the timeline of my life how that moment went. Yeah. And just went into a network of opportunities and discovery of music, arts, friends, relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, just went, you know, kind of, that's like a timestamp for me. So I, I think that it would be cool. I could relive that moment and discover that moment for mm. the first time. I sometimes think about that. I miss that, you know, yeah. it's like you're as present as you can be in that moment, but you think, man, I wish I could be even more present <laughs> in the I moment. Thought to be <laughs> yeah. Present. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, uh, what would your 14-year-old self think about today's Bryce? Dude, he would be like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, would, he would, I think, I think, you know, where I'm at now, he'd be like, dude, that's awesome. Okay. And if you could tell him anything? Uh, to just stay the, stay the course. 14-year-old Bryce was on a course for wanting to do what I'm doing now. Hmm. And sometimes I think where I would be now had I not taken a 10-year break and been a pastor for that long. Like not to say that that time wasn't useful or that I wasn't kind of like there for a certain time or reason. You know what I mean? But just I'd probably – I'd have had a decade of writing, recording, touring under my belt. I'd probably be, I don't know, a rock star right now. I don't know. (laughs) Not to say that that's like – not possible or not in in my future now, but I think I would have just been like, "Hey, stay the course, mm. you know, like yeah, do what you what you feel inside of you that you're meant to do, you know uh it's time for you to recommend three people who you'll share this podcast with once it releases, who you think will make good guests for us to try to get in the studio or to connect with us you know over the internet. Sweet. Yeah. My three are, first of all, Russell Deepa. He's the bass player of my band. And he is um, really such a cool dude. He is an artist and um, an incredible bass player, multi-instrumentalist, multi-medium. I mean, from tattooing to graphics to paint to Hmm. he's one of those guys that to woodworking, it's like he can just – he has the touch mm-hmm. and he has such a really cool taste of music and such a cool dude to talk to that you really wouldn't be disappointed getting to just sit down. He used to play in this band called the whole tones back in the day. Mm-hmm. And they were just this, um, a, uh, bluegrass progressive, bluegrass band. 
and they were really cool. And he learned how to play upright bass in that band, and now he just shreds. That's cool. Man, he's a shredder. So okay. Russell Deepa, Russell. yeah, Logan Rex, she's awesome. She's the front woman for a really cool reggae rock band called Article Sound System. They're based out of um, the East Coast side of Florida. Um, really blowing up on the scene and the reggae rock scene. They're huge right now. And she's just really cool. She has a very eclectic background of music. She's got a really cool story, kind of like mine. She, she, I'm, I won't tell it for her, but you know, she's just got a really cool story of, of how she landed and became a rock star in a band, you know, and I think that you guys would love to hear her story. And then finally, Steve Dyer, he's the owner of Chartreuse Craft Cocktail Lounge in Bonita Springs. Yep. Yeah, very cool. And uh, Steve is just, again, it's like one of those dudes that he, he could have lived a hundred lives. He's done so many cool things in his life and music's always been with him. So I'm sure that he would have the craziest, coolest stories attached to his three songs. You'd really just enjoy having a conversation with Steve. All right. Well, we will try to reach out to each of those and see if we can get them to come on in. Uh, And uh, other than that, do you have any final thoughts about this whole thing? Thank you guys for doing what you do. And, you know, it's cool. I've never told these stories before. And, um, and just to kind of think about the timeline of my life and how these moments have made an impact on my life has been uh, a real treat in the pausing in the hustle of, of life to just stop and be like, hey, this is, you know, how much of an impact music's made on my life. So thank you guys for doing what you do. And it's been an awesome time here. For this week's Parting Tune, we're going back to November 27th of last year when Richard and I and a few other WGCUers had the tremendous pleasure of attending a Sugar Shack session featuring the Maine-based band Coyote Island. It was an amazing experience filled with positive energy and broad smiles with good folks all around, and of course great tunes performed live, including this one, which was my personal favorite, called Hills. We make three-song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida, right up the road from Bonita Springs. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is host and online content producer. Our production assistant is Jared Gonzalez. Christophus is our executive producer. And our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. Keep listening.